0: Smarties, today we are very excited to welcome my client to the podcast. We know how much you love client success stories, and I am really excited to share this episode that we recorded with Marshall. Marshall is an adult client of mine, and he talks about his story and what brought him to seek educational therapy. He shares how executive functioning skills have impacted his relationships, his self esteem, how accountability and positive social pressure and systems have helped him reach towards his goals. He shares how he now uses his systems as a safety net instead of a list of upcoming failures. And he shares how self-forgiveness, positive self-talk has been an important part of his educational therapy journey and how educational therapy has impacted his marriage. We also talk about the benefits of research and how much is actually helpful versus how much is simply a form of procrastination. If you are an adult and you have thought about how educational therapy might be the right next step for you, both Steph and I and our practices love working with adults. We talk about that a lot in this episode. Go ahead and sign up for a phone call at capedtherapy.com or myedtherapist.com, and we will be so excited to support you in your journey and with your own personal goals. Now, let's dig in.
1: You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast.
2: Hi, Smarties. Welcome to Episode 247 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we are very excited to have on one of Cap Educational Therapy Group's clients and Rachel's personal client... Marshall, welcome to the podcast, Marshall.
1: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: We're happy to have you here. This has been a long time coming. This has been an episode that both Steph and I have wanted to do because, you know, we spend a lot of time on the podcast talking about the impact of ed therapy on like learners who are actively in school and you're not in school right now and you're an adult. Marshall, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and share a little bit about who you are and- your story.
1: So I'm Marshall. Um, I'm 36. My wife and I like to say we're a gender swapped 1950s couple. Uh, she's the high powered attorney, and I'm the housewife and aspiring writer.
0: Or house husband? House husband. I loved it when Adam was a house husband. That was a great period of time in our lives.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm also a big fan of the term domestic engineer. Yes.
0: Where did that term come from, Marshall? Is that something you made
1: up or you've heard it? I heard it somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. That's a good one. That's what you could like put on the resume. Get someone to ask some follow-up questions about it. Perfect. Okay, so tell us a little bit about what brought you to educational therapy.
1: Yeah, I had kind of a twisty journey. I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was a kid, but the medication never really worked well for me. It was always a little bit of a problem. And just maybe four or five years ago, I finally got some more precise testing done and discovered that I actually didn't have ADHD. I just had executive function problems. And then I started researching that term, looking around, and that's how I found you guys.
2: And you found the podcast first.
1: I found some sort of seminar that Rachel was talking in, actually.
0: Oh, it was the Bridges webinar that I did. Yep. Yeah. And we got several phone calls from that webinar, but you were an interesting call. Cause I was excited. I'm like, Oh, an adult was, like juicy for me. We do love the adults for sure. Yeah. So had you heard of ed therapy before Marshall?
1: No, I was starting to like Google, like a uh, executive function coaching, stuff like that. I become aware that there was something else other than like traditional therapy, but I, I wasn't even sure what terms to use yet.
0: Right. And then in the Bridges talk, I'm sure I explained what educational therapy was in that.
1: Yeah. And then um, somebody actually asked at the Q and a section, whether it's for adults too. And remember distinctly, you actually lit up. You're like, Oh, we love getting adult clients. (laughs) That was what pushed me over the edge into actually, uh, into actually contacting you guys.
0: How were you feeling when you were like, okay, I'm going to sign up for a call?
1: I was more just nervous that you guys would be like, oh, this isn't really for you. This is just for people in the school, right?
0: Mm, got it. I think we've since clarified that on our websites because I think you've given me that feedback before.
2: The thing that we really love about adult clients is that it's not just about school. It's about life And creating goals and habits and routines. And so I would love to hear about what goals you and Rachel decided and like set out to create together for you.
1: You know, I I contacted Rachel with a specific goal in mind of I'd been trying to finish my novel for years and I could never just do it. Um, And so that was our first primary goal just get me writing again.
2: It's very tangible. I like the start. Okay.
1: Yeah. And then we've sort of been working towards that goal from both sides of the problem, both actually getting me to just put my butt in the chair and write, and also how to manage all of my housework more efficiently so that it's less exhausting, I have more energy to write, and I have more time to write.
2: The scaffolding of that is really asking the questions of why you haven't been able to put in the energy and effort and time into your goal of writing, right? There's all these things that go into leading up to you being able to do that, which is very similar to what we do with kids in school. We look and backtrack. What are the systems? What are the situations that are creating the hiccups and the problems and the setbacks? And so I just wanted to comment that although it seems very different, it's really not because school is teaching you how to execute the things in your life that you need to execute. Being a domestic engineer, you have to get certain things done at certain times, which is required. And you getting to take the steps in order to fulfill the dream of your ultimate goal of sitting down and writing and finishing the book, I think it's great. And I want everyone to know that your book was that ultimate goal. And it doesn't necessarily have to be some external project that might bring somebody to therapy. It's what do you want to do with your time? Or what do you want to be able to do that you're not able to do now? I commend you because honestly, to sit there and think to yourself, this is my goal and how can I achieve it? And to actually set out to find a solution is very hard with for somebody with executive functioning challenges. So I applaud you. Well done. Thank you. Keeping going with that, as we are talking about what you're doing and your goals, what do you actually do in your sessions with Rachel?
1: I tell everybody in my life this story when I talk about this coaching because the very first session was very much not what I was expecting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm I'm laughing okay. because I know what happened during the first session. So, okay.
1: I was intellectually aware that this was going to be different than therapy, but that still didn't tell me what to expect. So, you know, we sat down and I told her that, you know, I'm having trouble just doing, there are things in my life that I'm avoiding doing. And she's like, okay, well, what's one of them? I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm really bad about opening the mail I let it pile up and I worry about it, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, okay, go get it. <laughs> go get it. We'll open it all right now. (laughs)
0: Let's start from scratch.
1: (laughs) I find one of the easiest hacks for executive functioning is social pressure, right? Uh, I don't know about other adults, but, you know, the easiest school projects for me when I was younger were group projects when I was with other students together. And anyway, in the same way, just sitting there with Rachel watching me doing these things... You know, I ended the first session half an hour or 45 minutes later. I forget how long it was. And I was just like, I think I was more productive in that short amount of time than I had been. In like the entire previous week.
0: And I will also add that mail is something we talk about every week. And half the time I'm sitting here opening mail with you. Like I avoid it as well. And so we're talking through things, but it's not just the mail because it can't be only us that feels this way about mail. It's also like, it's an actionable item. Usually sometimes, sometimes there's an action item with it. And so we had to create a way of like that being sustainable too. So that always makes me laugh that I was just like, okay, go get it. Cause that stuff, isn't that what I would say?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, (laughs) uh, there's been times where there's things that, you know, both the two of us have to get each other to do because Rachel doesn't like opening packages and things like that. And I don't like putting laundry away. So (laughs) sometimes it's just about literally go do it. Let's just get her done. So, you know, the fact that you even like brought that up is not something that people are necessarily thinking about, but it's there. I'm sure that people are listening and thinking, oh, I hate the mail, too.
1: <laughs> That's like half of what these sessions are. I sort of think of that as like treating the symptoms of the problem. And the other half is trying to treat the cause. And sort of frustrating, but also very nice at the same time is a lot of the things I do with her are things I've tried to do my whole life. People have recommended over and over and over again. You know, put things on your calendar, make a to-do list. These are things I've always tried, but I've never succeeded. What Rachel's done that has really helped is not just told me to do these, but taught me how to think and feel about them. When I was younger, the very idea of a to-do list would give me an anxiety attack. Because in my mind, a to-do list was just a list of things to fail at. And So often that's you know what happened when I was younger and not as well equipped as I am now. But now, with Rachel's help, I view my calendar and my to do list more as just extensions of my memory. um you know, I can put something on the to do list, and then I can forget about it and not worry anymore, because I know that I've built up the habits and the visits with her. I'm going to check it again. And I'll see it then, and I'll handle it if it's the right time, or I'll leave it there to be reminded of it again later.
0: Big turning point also was learning to kind of just push that it's okay sometimes, like, we don't have to do this right now. And then there were certain things that we were like, no, this has a sense of urgency. Let's go through it and take the time to do it and just like knock it off, but not as I remember when you shared that it was a list of things to fail at. And it kind of changed my perspective to when I talked to other clients because I had never conceived of it in that way before. And so giving some cognitive flexibility around what is the list intended to do? It's intended so that your memory doesn't have to be responsible for all this stuff because memory fails.
1: It was like the first or second session we've been using the to-do list. And I was like, oh no, I, I didn't have time to get to this one. And I was starting to feel bad. And you're like, well, just change it to be due tomorrow. That counts as successfully completing it. <laughs> like- yeah.
0: Because a lot of this stuff was like, we were trying to create routine for you so that things would not Builds up. If I can share the example about like your guest house. Sure, go ahead. Like, one of the things that we had talked about was like reset the guest house before the guest comes. Like, after the guest leaves, you go in and you reset the sheets and kind of clean up and tidy up in there, right? As opposed to waiting for somebody to come so that there's not this like time pressure and you can kind of do it on your own. We talk a lot about laundry too of (laughs) like both of us. (laughs) So um, they're vulnerable conversations because it could conceivably be embarrassing. I'm curious how like the emotional journey of it has been
1: for you. I'm sure if I called my mom, she'd be willing to sit on the phone with me while I open my mail every day. She'd love to just have more contact time, but that would be too embarrassing or too something. Certainly don't want to put those sort of things on my wife's plate. She's busy enough as a lawyer. So I think having this sort of um, not medical relationship, professional Mm
0: -hmm.
1: relationship made it a lot easier for me to talk freely about these things that would be more embarrassing in a social setting. Mm. You certainly did a good job of always making it a very judgment-free zone.
2: Taking into account really how you're looking at it, nothing is perfect and that it's really about the process, not necessarily the product, and really helping you figure out what your process should be. I mean, listen, it's not very easy to teach yourself a foreign language just by saying, I want to learn this. You have to go through it. And if you don't have someone teaching you, it's going to be a thousand times harder. So even if it just feels like time, she's really scaffolding it for you in order to set the routine and habits for future for future Marshall, honestly, to know that, oh, this is, this is what I should do and I can figure out when I'm going to do it or how I'm going to do it. It must make a tremendous difference in the way you're viewing the things that you need to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I used to struggle with a lot of self-directed anger. You know, when I was young, people would think I was lazy because I'd know things were important. I just wouldn't do them. And people would be like, why aren't you doing them? And eventually, I just sort of accepted that and internalized that, that I'm just lazy. And then I'd feel bad when things didn't happen. And I had a really stark example of how different things were shortly after we started working together. We just recently bought a house and we finally had a housewarming party. And so uh, my wife and I sat down and we're like, okay, here are like the seven things need to happen before the party. And I put like one each day on the to-do list the week leading up, got everything done. And then I woke up the morning of the party and suddenly I was in a panic. Did did we get everything done? Oh, my God, the party's happening today. What's happening? <laughs> and then I realized that we actually had dissected this and everything was fine. And I calmed down. And then I just remembered all these times in my past on when I didn't have the tools where I'd procrastinate, procrastinate, and I'd wake up in the morning the day of, freak out, and scurry around and try to get everything done.
2: That's when your brain activates. So, of course, your brain is, goes into overdrive the day of, not realizing that the fact that you segmented it throughout the week, your brain went into the typical, uh-oh, I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but look at you. You did do what you needed to do. Amazing. And the fact that you could recognize that and calm yourself down, fantastic. I'm sure that felt so
1: good. <laughs> it really did.
0: So how did your wife respond to that sort of experience of being like no everything's you did it. We're good.
1: Uh well, she gets up a couple hours before I do for work. And uh so I woke up and then I just rushed out of the bedroom. I was like, "Oh my god, the party's today. Are we ready?" And she just burst out laughing. <laughs>
2: And then what did she say?
1: We immediately started talking about executive functioning.
2: (laughs) That's hilarious. Um,
1: Because, you know, the the terminology was new to both of us. Um,
2: Uh
1: And, you know, I'd say overall, that's actually kind of emblematic of how it's improved our marriage. Uh
2: Uh-huh.
1: Because she'd be confused because she felt like I loved her and that I'd care about things. But then I just, to her, just mysteriously dropped the ball on things that... She knew that I knew was important. Um, and that caused some friction in our marriage. And now, you know, for one thing, I'm doing better. But even without that, if I do miss something, now that we both understand how my brain works and how executive functioning happens and how deficits with it work, she can understand what's happening to me and not take it personally
0: that's been a beautiful thing for me to sort of watch in you talking about how you want to make her feel and how you want to do things that she says are important, sort of her ability to meet you in that space and also be very explicit and like sit down a week before and talk through everything. And then you pull out your phone and you add things. That's, It's just been a lovely thing to sort of witness how things have shifted and evolved for
1: the two of you. Thank you.
2: I love hearing that. So how are things different for you yourself? Like, how do you feel?
1: A lot less frustration. And I don't have to worry about things as much because, you know, now I'm using my calendar or my to-do list as a safety Mm net instead of as unattainable goals. So I'm I'm just not quite as worried. If I worry about something, I just immediately put it on into my phone and then I stop worrying about it. Or I do it immediately if it needs doing immediately, obviously.
0: Check you out. That's awesome. This is why we like working with adults because it's so fun. Things just happen faster. The mature adult brain and the benefit of it, the logic behind certain things. We always say that, like in the third and final phase of educational therapy and intervention, We want our learners doing things independently and autonomously. It happens much faster with an adult. Frankly, they're the ones writing the check. And so there's this direct correlation of like, I'm here for this, so I'm going to get this out of it. And also there's an element that I think we realized was really important, which was the accountability piece. Because we were meeting twice a week. And then we decided to scale back to once a week. And very quickly you and I talked about it and realized, no, let's just take that 50-minute session and do two 25-minute sessions, which frankly was enough for us. Mm-hmm. And it still provided an opportunity of accountability for you to sit down at the computer to do the things you needed to. And you come into session a lot of the time with a lot of like our regular. Check in stuff done, emails done, calendar is updated, mail is done, and those sort of weekly tasks you've like arranged in the week already.
2: Creating your ideal week is kind of what you are going toward. And the beauty of doing it with an adult is also that you can see not only does it happen quickly because you're invested. But also the byproduct we talk about in Ed Therapy, one of the the beautiful byproducts is the family life gets better. Now, your family life gets better, but it's different because it's your marriage, you know, your own self-esteem that isn't connected to school. And being able to accomplish what you want to accomplish feels very different.
0: It's your contribution.
2: In school, you're told what you need to accomplish. And you get to choose now as an adult what you want to accomplish. So I think looking at that from that angle is wonderful, honestly.
1: You know, I've, I've been told for years in therapy that I should be gentler on myself. But it was only once I understood why I, I was the way I was, what executive function deficit means. It was only once I understood that that I was actually able to do so and forgive myself for things.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your sense of time? We've talked a lot about what time feels like versus what time is. And can you talk about what that conversation was like for you?
1: Yeah, uh, that was kind of fun because I I think I was able to uh, exceed your expectations a little bit when we first started that.
0: I had no (laughs) expectations. I just wanted to make you aware. (laughs) But you, yes, Um, I will say you were very exact.
1: I think that's one of the things that was most different coming into this as an adult. Throughout my school and my early jobs, I had to learn some way to manage time. And so, like, I had pretty good estimates, actually, for how long things would take and blah, blah, blah. Where my sense of time has really changed is really an understanding that when you have an executive function deficit, things that are too far away become impossible to motivate yourself towards. Me and my wife picked up the term time blindness somewhere or time nearsightedness.
2: Yeah, we talk about time blindness all the time.
1: Um, So understanding that was sort of a really big point, both for me and for my wife. You know, at this point, if she comes up to me and says, hey, I really need you to do this by next Thursday, I'll just say that does not work. And then she'll like (laughs) sigh a little bit and just say, Hey, Marshall, I'd like it if you did this today. And I'd go, okay, and I'll just happily go do it.
2: (laughs) And how wonderful for your marriage, I'm sure.
1: I mean, that was one of the biggest things about learning to forgive myself was when the consequences of things are too far away, I just can't motivate myself. I have to find a different way to approach the problem.
2: Wonderful. Fantastic. I'm proud of you. (laughs) I I don't know if that means anything, but honestly, I am. (laughs) So what are the uh, big strategies that you use now?
1: The biggest thing was putting absolutely everything onto my calendar and to-do list, including like if my mom calls and is like, hey, can we get lunch tomorrow? That goes on the calendar just immediately.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And that's actually still kind of a work in progress. Um, I think that's actually harder for me as an adult because I learned not great strategies at remembering things over my 30 years, and it's hard to unlearn those habits and switch to relying on the calendar to-do list. I, kept, I keep finding myself, you know, my friend will need picked up at the airport the next day, and I've never had a problem remembering things for one day, so I don't put it in the calendar. But then I'm, I don't notice that it conflicts, say, with an appointment with Rachel, and I end up missing an appointment. <laughs> Because I didn't check the calendar.
2: Uh yes. Yeah. So you need the stop of checking the calendar before you say yes to anything.
1: That's one of the habits I'm still working on ingraining.
2: For sure. And knowing that your memory is not special. Like you don't have memory <laughs> superpowers that everybody else doesn't have. If it's tomorrow. Or even if it's later today, it needs to go on the calendar. Because here's the thing that we also have to remember. If something else comes into your brain space and your brain only has so much room, it's going to knock something out. And you don't get to choose what it's going to knock out. So if it knocks out something really important, like picking up your child, let's say. I don't know if you have kids, but (laughs) let's just say it was that. That's not a good one to throw out, right? But you didn't consciously choose what you were gonna throw out. So that's why making sure in that moment you stop what you're doing and before you say yes, or if you made a plan and doing it in real time is really one of the most important habits that you could really use and practice going forward for sure. And I I know that you are doing that with Rachel, but just you know, as the listeners hear this, this is this is something very Important in being able to function.
0: Yeah, our audience loves our client success stories. Those are the ones that people really, really connect with a lot, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or some of the ones that people connect with a lot. What I will say is that those moments that you're talking about where there's like a time conflict and you've double booked yourself, let's say, or you didn't leave enough drive time, because we've talked about drive time too, those moments are fewer and further between. And so we're never looking for perfection no we're just looking like in the goal of that happening less and less and what happens is is when it happens less and less the people in your life are like okay cool like it's not marshall quote-unquote being marshall again it's just like a human error which we all do and have enormous empathy for so yeah it does impact our interactions with people
1: two little strategies that have actually made a big difference for me that i'd like to mention when I find myself stuck in some activity, like I'm just scrolling through the internet on my phone or the like, and I'm thinking that I should get up, but I'm just not getting up. I've actually found that just announcing out loud I'm getting up now can be a great impetus to get up. Ah. Or if she's within hearing distance, I'll just ask my Rose, hey, can you ask me to do the dishes right now? And she'll just go, yeah, Marshall, will you do the dishes right now? And then when she's asking me to, it's easy to get up.
0: Wow. That's great. The way that that relationship sort of works, you've shared that with me before. The way that she can
2: support you in a way that you need is getting your needs met and you doing the things that she needs you to do is getting her needs met, which I'm sure is leading into how have things at home changed?
1: Yeah, so I figured that was going to be a question. So I actually asked my wife (laughs) more or less that question uh, before we got on here. Uh The three things she said was, first of all, I I have just been way more productive, which is great. She thinks, more importantly, that I seem happier and more confident in myself. Mm. Mm. And then also, she doesn't have to worry about things slipping through the cracks anymore. It was never that she doubted that I wanted to do it, or she thought that I didn't care. But before, she she always had to be a little worried that no matter how important it was, there was the chance that I'd just forget.
2: I'm sure her confidence
0: in you feels good. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So in terms of the book that you're writing, how has Ed Therapy helped support that impacted that like where are you at with the book now
1: i'm regularly writing the book uh every week at this point whereas before therapy i'd say i only actually like contributed to it a little bit every couple months maybe i'd think about it a lot but i wouldn't actually sit down and add words
0: something else that i noticed with you is you're totally a researcher which steph will relate to and stuff. He had the most beautiful writing program. He had done all the research on which one would be best, what the writing process is like. Like there are things that you've said to me that I didn't know. Like for example, you had said to me at a certain point, like I had read that your book can take a turn that was unexpected, and it just happened to you. And so like you had done all this thought and thinking about writing and. Now you've transitioned into the doing. Would you agree with that, Marshall?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I heard a quote once about executive function that stuck with me ever since I heard it. The problem isn't knowing what to do. It's doing what you know. I knew lots about how to write a book. I've read so many books on writing, watch, listened to you know the Writing Excuses podcast, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But actually doing what I know is has always been the problem.
2: Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have the online version or are you doing it in Google Drive or something like that? Is it saved online?
1: It is. It's, it's on the cloud.
0: Good. The other thing that I will say, going back to sort of the researcher thing, <laughs> any regular listener of the podcast will know I don't care for research. I will just jump in and do. That's why I have Steph because she'll research it and then tell me what to do.
2: I was just going to say, do you want to tell everyone
0: about your headphone situation? Uh, well, actually you were the one that brought it up. And I was like, yes, I'm having the same issue. Like, so our headphones that we use when we record the podcast, they were like, they were crumbling and like little pieces of the headphones. And so Steph was like, I'm thinking about getting new headphones. Is this like happening to you? I'm like, yes, thank you for bringing it up. Because again, all our podcasting material, I only have it because Steph told me what to get, and then told me which wires to get to connect it in and like set it all up. So basically what happened was I did some research and found out instead of
2: having to get new headphones, we could just get new ear covers. And I found them and sent her the link. It said, order these. I had to get the color situated for her as well, because hers are white, mine are black. (laughs) And it took a hot (laughs) second for her to get them out. But today is the day, you guys. They are on there. And so- Marshall, I understand where you're coming from on the find what you need and execute the things that you figure out.
0: (laughs) But there have been times, for example, where like you've wanted to go back into a book of a similar genre to the book that you're writing. And we've given you like questions you need to answer why are you reading this? Like for what information? And then like, I think we timed it out too. Like we were being very intentional about what was the point of going back and reading. Cause I think probably my initial reaction was like, don't do that. And then you explained why it was important. I'm like, okay, then we have to put some boundaries around that. Do you remember that? Some of the research is definitely necessary for sure. I would be a hundred percent
2: just like you.
1: Yeah, I I do remember that. You've been very helpful in helping me figure out like how much of my research is actually helpful and how much of it is procrastination and just avoidance through fear. Because that's definitely, you know, I spend almost a decade just researching before I actually started trying to write.
2: And you know what? Just to add to that, finding somebody who's doing the research that you can trust might be also really good. Rachel trusts my research, for instance. Like I have people who research I also trust so that I don't have to do it myself. So if there are those people out there that could potentially save you from doing that research yourself and being able to trust them, that might be helpful too.
0: Just throwing it out
2: there. Yeah.
0: Steph, with you, are there times when even though somebody has given the suggestion, you still will research it? It depends
2: on who it is, yes.
0: Like if I said I researched it, And I was like, I think this is what we should do. How would you respond? It depends on what it is. Okay.
2: (laughs) It depends on what it is. And your version of research and my version of research might be completely different. So there might be some things where I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm in. And then there's some things where I'm like, "Mm, I don't know about that. But for instance, I'll give you an example. My best friend's boyfriend did a bunch of research on what door camera to use, whether it's Ring or whether it was Google Nest or whatever, he did all the research. And I know he's a hardcore researcher. And so he said to me, here's what you need and just do that. And I said, okay. And so that's the one that I got.
0: I did the exact same thing when I had to do my registry when I was pregnant with Elliot. I was like, I'm going to the people who I know. And then I'm just what? What do you suggest? What do you suggest? And usually it was the same thing. I'm like great, moving on. <laughs> like it's zero interest in researching mattresses, for example. But I knew who would have done their due diligence about researching mattresses. A <laughs> uh, no, tangent, but okay. Sorry, a little bit of a tangent.
2: I mean, worth exploring because as adults, we do research a lot. Of us, not everybody, but a lot of us do. So I understand you.
0: Marshall, what would you tell other adults who had thought about maybe doing educational therapy but weren't quite sure? What would you tell other people? And I know you do tell other people.
1: I recommend it to pretty much all of my friends who are frustrated with not being able to do the things they want to do. But executive dysfunction is a lot more common than people think.
2: Nobody has perfect executive functioning. That's not a thing.
1: Right. But that means that almost everybody can benefit to some degree Mm -hmm. if they have problems with that, especially if that phrase that I said earlier, the problem isn't knowing what to do. It's doing what you know. If you find yourself thinking to yourself, I should be doing this, but then you don't do it. it It was a crazy moment to me when I realized just a little bit into my marriage, we were just talking about how we did things, that for my wife, if she thinks, oh, I should do this, she just does it every time. There's no delay or activation energy required. That's just she thinks that she does it. And that, is, that was crazy to me.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: There actually is a YouTube video in particular I'd recommend for people to watch if they're curious about this kind of thing. I think it's called The Neuroanatomy of ADHD with Dr. Russell Barkley. But that's what introduced that video was just randomly recommended to me on YouTube one day. And watching it actually brought me to tears because he described things in my life that I thought were personal failures, and he explained why they worked.
0: Mm, That's lovely. And we've went ahead and linked that talk in the show notes. I think it's a two-parter. The other thing, have you watched The Wall of Awful? No. We had Brendan
2: Mahan on, and he talks about The Wall of Awful on YouTube. There's a video. And we had him on, but we'll link it. And it is a great great video to watch as well
1: i'll have to check it out
0: well marshall
2: thank you so much for taking the time thanks for being vulnerable and letting other adults know that it's okay
1: you're very welcome have a great week smarties
2: yay have a great week have a great week